Book Three, Chapter Three of The World's Desire. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Annie Hill. The World's Desire by H. Ryder Haggard. Chapter Three The Bed of Torment. It was nightfall, and Pharaoh sat at meat and Miriamun sat by him. The heart of Pharaoh was very heavy. He thought of that great army which now washed to and fro on the waters of the Sea of Weeds, of whose number he alone had lived to tell the tale. He thought also of the host of the Apura, who made a mock of him in the desert. But most of all, he brooded on the tidings that the messenger had brought tidings of the march of the barbarians and of the fleet of the aquausha that sailed on the eastern stream of sihor all that day he had sat in his council chamber and sent forth messengers east and north and south bidding them gather the mercenaries from every town and in every city men to make war against the foe for here in his white-walled city of tanis there were left but five thousand soldiers and now wearied with toil and war he sat at meat and as he sat bethought him of the man whom he had left to guard the queen where then is that great wanderer he who wore the golden harness he asked presently i have a tale to tell thee of the man Miriamun answered slowly a tale which i have not told because of all the evil tidings that beat about our ears like sand in a desert wind tell on said pharaoh then she bent towards him whispering in his ear as she whispered the face of pharaoh grew black as the night and ere all the tale was done he sprang to his feet by a man and by ta he cried here at least we have a foe whom we may conquer thou and i miriamun my sister my queen are set as far each from each as the sky is set from the temple top and little of love is there between us yet i will wipe away this blot upon thy honour which also is a blot upon my own sleepless shall this wanderer lie to-night and sorry shall he go to-morrow but to-morrow night he shall sleep indeed thereupon he clapped his hands summoning the guard and bade them pass to the dungeon where the wanderer lay and lead him thence to the place of punishment he bade them also call the tormentors to make ready the instruments of their craft and await him in the place of punishment then he sat for a while drinking sullenly till one came to tell him that all was prepared then pharaoh rose comest thou with me he asked nay said miriamun i would not look upon the man again and this i charge thee go not down to him this night let him be found upon the bed of torment and let the tormentors give him food and wine for so shall he die more hardly then let them light the fires at his head and at his feet and leave him till the dawn alone in the place of torment so he shall die a hundred deaths ere ever his death begins as thou wilt answered pharaoh 
Meet out thine own punishment. Tomorrow, when I have slept, I will look upon his torment. And he spoke to his servants as she desired. The wanderer lay on the bed of torment, in the place of torment. They had taken the gag from his mouth and given him food and wine, as Pharaoh had commanded. He ate and drank, and his strength came back to him. Then they made fast his fetters, lit the braziers at his head and foot, and left him with mocking words. He lay upon the bed of stone and groaned in the bitterness of his heart. Here then was the end of his wanderings, and this was the breast of the golden Helen in whose arms Aphrodite had sworn that he should lie. Oh, that he were free again and stood face to face with his foes, his harness on his back, nay it might not be no mortal strength could burst these fetters not even the strength of odysseus laertes son where now were those gods whom he had served should he never again hear the clarion cry of pelas why then had he turned him from pelas and worshipped at the shrine of the false adelian queen thus it was that she kept her oaths thus she repaid her votary so he thought in the bitterness of his heart as he lay with closed eyes upon the bed of torment whence there was no escape and groaned would aphrodite that i had never served thee even for one little hour then had my lot gone otherwise now he opened his eyes and lo a great glory rolled about the place of torment and as he wondered at the glory a voice spoke from its midst the voice of Adalian Aphrodite. Blame me not, Odysseus, said the heavenly voice. Blame me not, because thou art come to this pass. Thyself, son of Laertes, art to blame. What did I tell thee? Was it not that thou shouldst know the golden Helen by the red star on her breast, the jewel whence fall the red drops fast, and by the star alone? And did she not tell thee also that thou shouldst know her by the star? Yet when one came to thee wearing no star, but girdled with a snake, my words were all forgotten. Thy desires led thee whither thou wouldst not go. Thou wast blinded by desire, and couldst not discern the false from the true. Beauty has many shapes. Now it is that of Helen, now that of Miriamun. Each sees it as he desires it. But the star is yet the star, and the snake is yet the snake. And he who, bewildered of his lusts, swears by the snake when he should have sworn by the star, shall have the snake for guerdon. She ceased, and the wanderer spoke, groaning bitterly. I have sinned, O queen, he said. Is there then no forgiveness for my sin? Yea, there is forgiveness, Odysseus, but first there is punishment. This is thy fate. Never now in this space of life shalt thou be the lord of the golden Helen, for thou hast sworn by the snake, and his thou art. Nor mayest thou reach the star, yet it still shines on. Through the mists of death it shall shine for thee, and when thou wakest again, behold, thine eyes shall see it fitfully. And now, this for thy comfort, here thou shalt not die, nor by torment. For thy death shall come to thee from the water as the dead seer foretold, 
but ere thou diest, once more thou shalt look upon the golden Helen, and hear her words of love and know her kiss, though thine she shall not be, and learn that a great host marches upon the land of Chem, and with its sails a fleet of thine own people, the Achaeans. Go down and meet them, and take what comes, where the swords shine that smote Troy. And this fate is laid upon thee, that thou shalt do battle against thy own people, even against the sons of them, by whose side thou didst fight beneath the walls of Ilios. And in that battle thou shalt find thy death, and in thy death, thou wanderer, thou shalt find that which all men seek, the breast of the immortal Helen. For though here on earth she seems to live eternally, it is but the shadow of her beauty that men see, each as he desires it. In the halls of death she dwells, and in the garden of Queen Persephone, and there she shall be won, for there no more is beauty guarded of those that stand between men and joy, and there no more shall the snake seem as the star, and sin have power to sever those that are one. Now make thy heart strong, Odysseus, and so do as thy wisdom tells thee. Farewell. Thus the goddess spoke from the cloud of glory, and lo, she was gone. But the heart of the wanderer was filled with joy, because he knew that the Helen was not lost to him forever, and he no more feared the death of shame. Now it was midnight, and Pharaoh slept, but Miriamum the queen slept not. She rose from her bed, she wrapped herself in a dark cloak that hid her face, and taking a lamp in her hand, glided through the empty halls till she came to a secret stair down which she passed. There was a gate at the foot of the stair, and a guard slept by it. She pushed him with her foot. He awoke and sprang towards her, but she held a signet before his eyes, an old ring of great Queen Taya whereon a Hathor worshipped the sun. Then he bowed and opened the gate. She swept on through many passages, deep into the bowels of the earth, till she came to the door of a little chamber where a light shone. Men talked in the chamber, and she listened to their talk. They spoke much and laughed gleefully. Then she entered the doorway and looked upon them. There were six in number, evil-eyed men of Ethiopia, and seated in a circle. In the center of the circle lay the waxen image of a man, and they were cutting it with knives and searing it with needles of iron and pincers made red-hot, and many instruments strange and dreadful to look upon, for these were the tormentors, and they spoke of those pains that tomorrow they should wreak upon the wanderer, and practiced them. But Miriamum, who loved him, shivered as she looked, and muttered thus beneath her breath, This I promise you, black ministers of death, that in the same fashion ye shall die ere another night be sped. Then she passed into the chamber, holding the signet on high, and the tormentors fell upon their faces before her majesty. She passed between them, and as she went she stamped with her sandaled foot upon the waxen image and brake it. On the further side of the chamber was another passage, and this she followed till she reached a door of stone that stood ajar. Here she paused a while, for from within the chamber there came a sound of singing, 
and the voice was the wanderer's voice, and thus he sang. Endure, my heart, not long shalt thou endure the shame, the smart. The good and ill are done, the end is sure, endure, my heart. There stands two vessels by the golden throne of Zeus on high, from these he scatters mirth and scatters moan to men that die. And thou of many joys hast had thy share, thy perfect part. Battle and love and evil things and fair endure my heart. Fight one last greatest battle under shield, wage that war well. Then seek thy fellows in the shadowy field of Asphodel. There is the knightly Hector. There the men who fought for Troy. Shall we not fight our battles o'er again? Were that not joy? Though no sun shines beyond the dusky west, thy perfect part, there shalt thou have of the unbroken rest. Endure, my heart. Miriam heard and wondered at this man's hardihood, and the greatness of his heart who could sing thus as he lay upon the bed of torment. Now she pushed the door open silently and passed in. The place where she stood was dreadful. It was shaped as a lofty vault, and all the walls were painted with the torments of those who passed down to set after living wickedly on earth. In the walls were great rings of bronze and chains and fetters of bronze, wherein the bones of men yet hung. In the center of the vault there was a bed of stone on which the wanderer was fastened with fetters. He was naked save only for a waistcloth, and at his head and feet burned polished braziers that gave light to the vault and shone upon the instruments of torment. Beyond the further braziers grinned the gate of Sekhet that is shaped like a woman, and the chains wherein the victim is set for the last torment by fire were hanging from the roof. Miriam passed stealthily behind the head of the wanderer, who might not see her because of the straightness of his bonds. Yet it seemed to her that he heard somewhat, for he ceased from singing and turned his ear to hearken. She stood a while in silence looking on him she loved, who of all living men was the goodliest by far. Then at length he spoke craftily. Who art thou? he said. If thou art of the number of the tormentors, begin thy work. I fear thee not, and no groan shall thy worst torture wring from these lips of mine. But I tell thee this, that ere I be three days dead, the gods shall avenge me terribly, both on thee and those who sent thee. With fire and with sword they shall avenge me, for a great host gathers and draws nigh, a host of many nations gathered out of all lands, I and a fleet manned with the sons of my own people, of the Archeans, terrible in war. They rush on like ravening wolves, and the land is black before them, but the land shall be stamped red behind their feet. Soon they shall give this city to the flames, the smoke of it shall go up to heaven, and the fire shall be quenched at last in the blood of its children, aye in thy blood, thou who dost look on me. Hearing these words, Miriamun bent forward to look on the face of the speaker, and to see what was written there. And as she moved, her cloak slipped apart, 
showing the snake's head with the eyes of flame that was set about her as a girdle. Fiercely they gleamed, and the semblance of them was shown faintly on the polished surface of the brazier wherein the fire burned at the wanderer's feet. He saw it, and now he knew who stood behind him. "'Say, Miriamun the queen, Pharaoh's dishonoured wife,' he said, "'say, wherefore art thou come to look upon thy work?' nay stand not behind me stand where i may see thee fear not i am strongly bound nor may i lift a hand against thee then miriamun still speaking no word but wondering much because he knew her ere his eyes fell upon her passed round the bed of torment and throwing down her cloak stood before him in her dark and royal loveliness he looked upon her beauty then spoke again say Wherefore art thou come hither, Miriamun? Surely with my ears I heard thee swear that I had wronged thee. Wouldst thou then look on him who wronged thee, or art thou come, perchance, to watch my torments, while thy slaves tear limb from limb, and quench yon fires with my blood? O oh, thou evil woman! Thou hast worked woe on me indeed, and perchance canst work more woe now that I lie helpless here. But this I tell thee, that thy torments shall outnumber mine as the stars outnumber the earth. For here and hereafter thou shalt be parched with such a thirst of love as never may be quenched, and in many another land and in many another time thou shalt endure thine agony afresh. Again and again thou shalt clasp and conquer, again and yet again thou shalt let slip, and in the moment of triumph lose by the snake's head i swore my troth to thee i who should have sworn by the star and this i tell thee miriamun that as the star shall shine and be my beacon through the ages so through the ages shall the snake encircle thee and be thy doom hold said miriamun pour no more bitter words upon me whom am distraught of love and was maddened by thy scorn Wouldst thou know, then, why I am come hither? For this cause I am come, to save thee from thy doom. Hearken, the time is short. It is true, though how thou knowest it I may not guess. It is true that the barbarians march on Kem, and with them sails a fleet laden with the warriors of thine own people. This also is true. Pharaoh has returned alone and all his host is swallowed in the sea of weeds. And I, foolish that I am, I would save thee, Odysseus, thus. I will put it in the heart of Pharaoh to pardon thy great offence, and send thee forward against the foe. Yes, I can do it. But this thou shalt swear to me, to be true to Pharaoh and smite the barbarian host. That I will swear, said the wanderer. Ay, and keep the oath, though it is hard to do battle on my kin. Is that all thy message, Miriamun? Not all, Odysseus. One more thing must thou swear. Or if thou swearest it not, here thou shalt surely die. Know this. She who is in Chem is named the Hathor, but who perchance has other names, hath put thee from her, because last night thou wast wed to me. 
It may well be so, said the wanderer. She hath put thee from her, and thou, thou art bound to me by that which cannot be undone, and by an oath that may not be broken, in whatever shape I walk, or by whatever name I am known among men, still thou art bound to me, as I am bound to thee. This then thou shalt swear, that thou wilt tell not of last night's tale to Pharaoh. That I swear, said the wanderer. Also that if Pharaoh be gathered to Osiris, and it should chance that she who is named the Hathor pass with him to the underworld, then that thou, Odysseus, wilt wed me, Miriamon, and be faithful to me for thy life days. Now the crafty Odysseus took counsel with his heart, and bethought him of the words of the goddess. He saw that it was in the mind of Miriamon to slay Pharaoh and the Helen. But he cared nothing for the fate of Pharaoh, and he knew well that Helen might not be harmed, and that though she change eternally, wearing now this shape and now that, yet she dies only when the race of men is dead, then to be gathered to the number of the gods. This he knew also, that now he must go forth on his last wandering, for death should come upon him from the water. Therefore he answered readily, that oath I swear also, Miriamon, and if I break it, I may perish in shame, and for ever. Now Miriamon heard, and knelt beside him, looking upon him with eyes of love. It is well, Odysseus, perchance ere long I shall claim thy oath. Oh, think not so ill of me. If I have sinned, I have sinned from love of thee. Long years ago, Odysseus, thy shadow fell upon my heart, and I clasped its emptiness. Now thou art come, and I, who pursued a shadow from sleep to sleep and dream to dream, saw thee a living man and loved thee to my ruin. Then I tamed my pride, and came to win thee to my heart, and the gods sent another shape upon me, so thou sayest, and in that shape, the shape of her thou seekest, thou didst make me wife to thee. Perchance she and I are one, Odysseus, at the least not so readily had I forsaken thee. Oh, when thou didst stand in thy might holding those dogs at bay till the Sidonian knave cut thy bowstring, what of him? Tell me, what of Kuri? This I would ask thee, queen, that he be laid where I lie, and die the death to which I am doomed. Gladly would I give thee the boon, she answered, but thou askest too late. The false Hathor looked upon him, and he slew himself. Now I will away. The night wanes, and Pharaoh must dream dreams ere dawn. Fare thee well, Odysseus. Thy bed is hard to-night, but soft is the couch of kings that waits thee. And she went forth from him. Ay, Miriam, said the wanderer, looking after her. Hard is my bed to-night, and soft is the couch of the kings of men that waits me in the realms of Queen Persephone but it is not thou who shalt share it. Hard is my bed to-night. Harder shall thine be through all the nights of death that are to come, when the Aranes work their will on folk forsworn. End of chapter 3